0: Very good morning to the church in person, whether or live stream or joining us online later. I just want to say a happy Lunar New Year to you and also a happy Valentine's Day. May our love grow deep in God and through that love, we are able to learn how to love each other, one another, our family and others um, around us. Uh, If you find it to be very hard uh, or getting harder, In the courtyard we still have like 30 or 40 seats there uh, under the shade with the television live casting there and you can uh, you're welcome to do so but otherwise you're welcome to sit in your car or next to your car on a chair or in the shade uh, find uh, other areas that you can find comfortable as we come to the wrapping up of the preaching of chapter 7 of 1st Corinthians uh, on the issue of singleness and marriage And it is a topic that touches many of us, or all of us, in fact. Uh, And beginning in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, verse 25, Paul states clearly what is the agenda, what is the issue that he's trying to talk about there. In verse 25, chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, he says, Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my Judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. You know, this is the same topic that has been mentioned in verses 8 and 9. So this is an expansion of verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9 says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single, as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry... Than to burn with passion, only two verses there, talking about the widow and also the single. Now in verses 25 to 40, he is expanding that in much more detail, giving reasoning why it is good to remain who we are and guiding us through this process together. So what happened in the church of Corinthians, a church probably, is that the engaged couple were pressured by some church members to call off their wedding. Why? Because they feel that it is more spiritual to be single. You you are of a higher class. That if they go ahead with the wedding, and some might even say that you are sinning against the Lord. So with that kind of a wrong and false teaching happening there, Paul is trying to correct and give the proper perspective that the Lord inspired him. Now he told us that there is no command from the Lord. He can't remember when Jesus was on earth, uh, whether he, he ever addressed specifically on those issues. He said, I can't remember that. But moved by the Holy Spirit, he says, let me give my judgment as someone who loves the Lord, who is trustworthy, who is wise. Let me give you what the Lord has imparted in my heart by God's mercy. So remember, the focus is not so much on the command. The focus is not so much on the judgment. The focus is really on God's mercy because God cares about us. He cares about our different status and different states of either singleness or marriage. He wants us to understand that by inspiring Paul to write First Corinthians and helping us to understand that. Now he begins with giving two reasons. Two reasons why we should remain as we are. To remain as you are has been consistently being taught in the whole chapter of uh, of chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. Now he's trying to give rationalization and reasoning so that you will understand where he comes from. And the first reason is in view of present distress. In view of present distress. Verses 26 to 28, he says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you, are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. In this part, he is reminding us of the present distress And it is better to remain as you are. If you are married, remain as married. If you are single, remain as single. Now, what is the present distress? Uh, Different commentators have different views. They talk about the future events or the coming of Christ or what's happening during the days of the Church of Corinth. But in the historical record, there wasn't much calamity or disasters during those days. So probably when he said the present distress, uh, it is about the recurring crisis that every generation's Christians have to face. In every generation, we have difficult times. We have challenges. Uh, as 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says that, in the last days, there will come times of difficulties, violent times, difficult times. You know, in every generation, committed Christians constantly face oppositions and and antagonism and stress, because they hold values and morals and priorities that the world rejects. And that's what happened. Now, if we look at where we are today in LA, a church over here, uh, we will say that our present distress will be, well, COVID-19, racial tension, political divides, economic downturn, uh, rich and poor disparity, backlash of globalization, facing liberal agendas, even anti-Christian sentiment, fake news, manipulations, and recently, even more and more anti-Asian cases around us here. That's our present distress. And maybe even more, I'm just trying to pinpoint a few for us to consider our present distress. But it says, remain as you are because of that. And this is consistently being mentioned in the past verses, as he addressed this issue with us. In verse 17, he says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which the Lord has called him. And verse 20, he reminds us that each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Remain as you are because of the present distress. Probably Paul was thinking about if you remain Uh, as a a single, then it is easier in the time of crisis. uh, You have more advantage. You can be more flexible. Uh, You can adapt more quickly. Uh, You can pick up and move, and there is less concern for handling all the affairs of others for whom you may be responsible as in a family. But he reminds them that if you are single, then be celibate. If you are married, then be committed to your marriage. So in verse 27, he reminds them, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek a wife. Uh, Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. So if you are single, be celebrated. If you are married, be committed to your marriage. But it is not sinful to stay married because this is your obligation in your marriage relationship. So he reminds them uh, that both are okay. So Paul is simply listing the advantages. He's not trying to put down marriage throughout this whole section here. He's trying to lift up singleness as a perfectly proper way of life. And those who choose to be single are not second-class citizens. But he makes clear, of course, that there is nothing wrong with getting married in a time of crisis either. It may be unwise, he says, but it is not. A sin. Now, what specifically is he addressing the present distress? Verses twenty-nine to thirty-one. He elaborates more on the detail. Twenty-one and thirty-one to thirty-one says, "This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning." And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they have no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealing with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. <coughs> Here is pointing to the end times. He's basically telling us that we have limited time to serve the Lord. And to illustrate that, he painted five scenarios connected by as though. If you are married, mourning, rejoicing, buying goods, business dealing, as though none of that happened, as though none of that mattered. Why? Because the time is so short and the world is passing away. And that's Paul's point that you should grasp the opportunity. Seize the moment whenever you can to honor God in your life and to serve Him. Because the present time is passing away. It is so short. That's the first reason. The present distress will be better if you remain as you are. The second reason to remain as you are, either as a married person or a single, is in view of the worldly trouble. That when you enter into marriage relationship, you will also experience the worldly trouble. Look at verse 28, the second part. He said, Let those who marry will have, yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. The worldly troubles. What is that? The worldly tribulations, the worldly pressure, the worldly affliction. Uh, We are so thankful that uh, Paul will continue to elaborate on that in verses 32 to 35. Verses thirty two to thirty-five. I say, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. What do you mean by worldly troubles in the marriage? He made a comparison between the singles and the married. If you summarize it, basically he's saying, for the singles, they are anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, Because they are less distracted and they are able to devote more time to grow deep in Christ. That's the singles advantage. But what about the married? Well, for the married, the worldly troubles, they are anxious about worldly things, how to please the spouse and therefore more divided in their interest. And and rightly so. Because when you are involved, engaged in a married relationship, you have increased responsibilities. Matters such as in-laws, how to maintain that relationships, children going through different stages of life, schooling, public school, private school, homeschooling, discipline through different uh, age bracket, communication, parents to children, between spouses, between husband and wife, and other problems different stages of life and emptiness and growing old and things like that. When you are in a marriage relationship, you naturally have increased responsibility and therefore you do have to devote your time to care about that because that's your responsibility. And in verse 35 here, he's reminding them that I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you. He's basically saying that I'm not putting a noose against your neck and try to choke you up and say, do this. Be single like me. He saying I'm not doing that. But to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul is saying that I try to create some decency in your life and I try to create a deeper devotion to the Lord because you are more focused and undivided. But he wants them to keep pressing on. And have the choice of, if you want to be married, stay married. If you don't want to be married and stay single, then stay single. You do have that freedom. You do have that choice to do what you think is right. And what you think is best for you. Remember, Paul is not saying that it is wrong uh, for a husband to please the wife. It is wrong for a wife to please the husband. He's not saying that. Because in other teachings, clearly, God says, husband, love your wife and wives respect and honor your husband. What Paul is saying here is that if you have the gift of celibacy or singleness, then it is better for you not to be married. You will have more orderly life and more devoted life to the Lord. But if you are married, make sure you are committed to your obligation and stay married and build a strong marriage and honor the Lord together in that way. So to remain as you are because of present distress. To remain as you are because of worldly troubles in marriage that you have to attain to. But you have a choice to stay single or you have a choice to stay married. That's Paul's teaching consistently in the whole chapter 7. And then finally, in verses 36 to 40, he's reminding us to make the right decisions in two cases. Okay, the first case is a case of engaged couples. Verses 36 to 38 says, If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and have determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Now, if you have different versions of the Bible, you can see that different versions of the Bible take different stand in, in terms of who is that person betrothed is being mentioned here. <coughs> the traditional interpretation has been it is a father, who is trying to take care of the marital affair of his daughter and going through that process of trying to guide her along the way and sometimes feeling reluctant and difficult to let go. And and that's one scenario. That's a very traditional way of interpreting that passage. And many Bible versions have that in there, that the father is trying to advise the, the single daughter in terms of the marital affair. But recently, more and more commentators feel that maybe this is talking more about the betrothed, the engaged, as the ESV version is taking that position, which I I tend to side with that position. Because throughout whole chapter 7, betrothed is really talking about single men and women. Or they may be engaged, but still single men and women are married. And to suddenly inject the father into the whole descriptions in singleness and marriage a little bit. It's a little bit out of out of uh, the ordinary. So I feel that probably to be consistent throughout the whole process, uh, it is better to consider this couple as a betrothed couple in the whole process. But it says if you think that he's not behaving properly toward his fiance, what does it mean? Okay, not being proper to your engaged girlfriend, okay? Uh, I think probably it is talking about the, the man uh, who has second thoughts. Uh, he is procrastinating to marrying the girl because he might have a wrong or misconception or uh, being influenced by other elements in the church in Corinth that it is more spiritual to remain a single that it is of a higher status. So he was procrastinating, waiting for a long time. But Paul is reminding the people that if his passion is strong and has to be and let him do as he wishes, let them marry. It is no sin. Don't consider marriage as a sin. Don't be influenced by this ascetic elements in the church. Just go ahead. You, are, you guys are ready for marriage? Your age is, is proper, the timing is right, you have strong passion and attraction to each other emotionally and physically. So so don't tally just because someone said that you should not get married. Just go ahead. It is proper, it is not sinning to move ahead with this. But if you have second thought about about a uh, celibacy and, and singleness, verse 37 gives some guidelines. He says, but whoever is firmly established in his heart, meaning if you are at peace with the decision that you still want to remain as single, and you are under being under no necessity, you are not compelled by outside forces, by misconceptions, by wrong teaching, or bad teaching, okay? You are not compelled by those outside forces, and thirdly, you have your desire under control. There are two ways to look at that. One way is like, you know, your, 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 your passion, your, your sexual desire is under your control. And that's not the reason why you want to press on with marriage. And there's another explanation is you are not being forced into it either by Paul. Paul is teaching about singleness. That you want to be a single not because of Paul but because you are convicted, you are appeased, you think that this is the right thing, and you, you sought the Lord, and the Lord has clearly gave you that sense of direction, then go ahead with this. Okay? And you are determined this in your heart. And there is this conviction. Therefore, you can feel free to go ahead. Not to marry her, but to bless her, to remain as a virgin who is available to other pursuers. And Paul says, if you do that, you will do well. You are a gentleman. You are being responsible. Bless her. Don't just wait and, and, and let her, you know, wonder where are we going and are we going to, you know, walk down the aisle, you know, the, on the red carpet and, and move towards the altar and be blessed by the pastor or how long do I have to wait? That's not responsible. So make clear, seek the Lord and to be determined in your heart and move ahead in that direction. And verse 38, he reminds them that both are well. Both are well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. That's Paul's kind of a bias a little bit. Like he actually prefers them or to remain as they are, and really to consider singleness, but he's not forcing them. He's not ordering them. He said, make up your own mind, make your choice because both, is, both are pleasing to the Lord. And, and then in verses 39 to 40, he gave a second case of making the right decision. It's a case of a widowed woman. Okay, verses 39 to 40, it says, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. You know, verse 39 says, if a wife, uh, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, and this is consistently being taught in chapter 7. If you look at verse uh, in chapter 7, verse 10, he reminds them to the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord, the wife should not separate from her husband. It is consistently being taught in the whole chapter 7 over here. But it says, if the spouse died, if the husband died, then the marriage bond is dissolved at death. And she's free to remarry. But make sure she married someone in the Lord, married to a Christian. Same faith and, and same values of life. But in verse 40, he reminds us that he still thinks remain as a single is still better. He said, you'll be happier. You know, Paul felt like I'm guided by the Holy Spirit. I just want to give my piece of advice to you. You know, you'll be happier. But you still have the freedom to make your own choice. So verses 39 to 40 most likely talk about a more elderly woman whose husband has died. And she misses the companionship. And she is looking into marriage as a possibility of uh, gaining that companionship. But Paul is saying that, hey, be careful here now. It is not a sin to remarry as long as you're married to a Christian, someone in the Lord whom you can share uh, the same faith and, and, li- and living together. But he said, but in my judgment, you'll be happier if you remain uh, married. Maybe what he meant was, you know, she can remain as herself, she can be herself finally uh, by remaining as a single. And she can finally carry out her own dreams while in her whole life, uh, before this state, she has been helping others to achieve their dreams. Now it is time for her to have a second half of her life and being herself and doing what she enjoys doing. But again, he's saying that either way, whether you go ahead and remarried, or you remain as a single after your spouse died, they are both okay and they are both well. So go ahead with that. You know, as we come to this end of the chapter 7 of First Corinthians, maybe I can summarize what has been talked about in the whole chapter and try to combine the three messages together. Paul began by reminding us, do not deprive your spouse of physical intimacy. If you have strong desire for marriage, go for it. It is not sinning. If you have the gift of singleness, then remain as single. Single or marriage are both equal and precious before the sight of God. And each of us should remain in a condition in which we are called. That would be ideal. If you are engaged, start planning for your wedding. Don't let her wait for too long. But if you are convicted that you rather stay single, make sure you let her know your conviction and free her up to choose her future life partner. A widow is free to remarry or remain as single. He has been talking about all these different cases. But some of you might be thinking, but there are other cases nowadays that the Bible did not spell out. Well, just remember, you are free to choose marriage or singleness. But make sure you choose someone in the Lord. But also remember that there are present distress and worldly troubles in marriage. You have to devote your time for that to please your spouse. And with this principles, hopefully it is sufficient for you to move ahead to please God in your life. Okay? We don't have much time left on earth, Paul is saying. So live a good life for God. And that's how we can summarize chapter 7 in terms of singleness and marriage. So my message to you today is really to remind you and myself that we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit to honor God in singleness or in marriage. In singleness or in marriage, glorify the Lord. God is pleased with you. Okay, seek the Lord, do what you feel is the direction you want to take, and God will bless you as you move in that direction. Now, as I conclude the message, I just want to give you two reminders. First, uh, you know this past three weeks sounds like a marriage seminar, but it is much more than a marriage seminar. It is much more than husband and wife, how to have a good fight, how to resolve conflicts, how to make your finance, how to care for the in-laws and how to plan for the children and things like that. All the nuances and details of a marriage. No, 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 no. For the past three weeks, we were laying a theological foundation for how to build Christian marriage and how to live a single life before the Lord. Because within this chapter here, there are three strong theologies of God that is undergirding the marriage and singleness that we talk about. First of all, it is God's sovereignty. Remember God's sovereignty. See, in verse 20, he reminds them that each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. See, you and I are called by God's sovereignty. You and I are called to be children of God, to be Christian, to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And because of this calling, when you consider singleness and marriage, you need to remember who you are as part of the seeking process for you to make that decision. Secondly, it talks about God's redemption as an undergirding theological foundation. you to make a decision on singleness and on marriage look at verse 23 it says you were bought with a price do not become born servants of men that's a redemptive language in the bible that we were dead in sins and trespasses as enslaved by sin and death and christ paid a a deep price He gave His life to redeem us. You are redeemed once. So when you decide on singleness and decide on marriage, remember that theological foundation on God's redemption. You were bought with a price. And thirdly, you got to remember the doctrine of the eschatology of Christ's second return. Because in verse 29 reminds us that this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. That as Christians, we don't live for this world alone. We we live for this world and the future world. We continue to be witness of Christ in this world in preparation for Christ's second return. And that has a lot of input into your decision on whether to stay single or to stay married and how to live our lives. So remember, it is much much more than a, a topic on marriage or sounds like a marriage seminar it is laying a strong foundation for us to build our marriage or for us to remain as single and then secondly i want to expound uh, expand on remain as you are paul has consistently in chapter 7 reminds christians in the city of corinth to remain as you are. If you are married, remain as married and build your marriage. If you are single, uh, because of the present distress, uh, because of the worldly troubles in marriage, okay, remain as you are as single. If you have the gift of celibacy, but be free to choose. He says, I am not hard. I'm not restraining you. I'm not choking you. So please uh, do as you see fit as the Lord will lead you uh, moving in that direction. Now, let me address some of the singles in our church here. I know that I'm talking as a married man. I I spent my first 26 years as single. Then I became married. And I spent the next 36 years as married. So my married life is much longer than my single life now. So I do want to have this disclaimer, knowing that I may not fully understand or maybe as engaged in the singles. But let me maybe also as a senior pastor, uh, with a little bit of more life experiences uh, to share some thoughts with you. People become single for four reasons, or maybe other reasons, but at least I know of four reasons. Why? One, because of health. Uh, maybe there's a hereditary disease in a family, and that person feels that I, just wanna, I don't want to pass on to the next generation, and therefore I choose to be single. Uh, others, because of family responsibility. That in a certain time in a family life, uh, you are the firstborn and you're the oldest son or your are the oldest you know, daughter or you're most, you're most capable and the family depends on you to raise the whole family. And by the time that responsibility is over, maybe your, your opportunity uh, to meet others, your opportunity for marriage may have passed you. So because of family commitment, you gave up uh, your, your marriage and stay single. And others maybe because of ministry calling Some of them felt God is calling me to be a missionary. God is calling me for this specific ministry. And this ministry and this mission field is not good to bring the whole family and with children. It's not possible. But yet the calling is so strong. So I want to take up that calling. And by God's grace, I feel that I have the gift of celibacy and singleness. So I do want to stay single for the purpose of ministry calling. And number four probably Uh, A lot more people fall into that category is that I don't have a suitable mate. I've been available. I've been open. I try. I dated. You know, I've been very discreet. But I just can't find someone whom I feel like I want, I'm willing to spend my whole life with that person in a marriage bond for the rest of my life. I still haven't met the right person. And that person never showed up. So I remain as single. I don't know which category are you in. I think verse 37 is such a wise advice for those who are single. He says, so whoever is firmly established in his heart, he says, you need to be at peace with that decisions. Otherwise, you'll be miserable. Otherwise, you'll be beating up yourself. Otherwise, you'll feel regret. Otherwise, you'll feel jealous. Okay? You need to be at peace, at peace with that decision. And being under no necessity, not being influenced or being uh, you know, taught in a wrong way about what is singleness and what is marriage, as if there's a sense of superiority, you know, but they are both equal in God's sight, but not be compelled by outside forces. And thirdly, having your desire under control that it is not a powerful authority like Apostle Paul said, hey, be like me, I am single. Not because of that. And not because of the higher status, spiritual status, if you say single, that kind of a teaching. But you know it in your heart. And you you can control that thoughts and say, I know what I'm getting into. And then you are uh, determine this in your heart. It becomes your conviction. So this four guidelines is somewhat helpful for those who are single as they consider their future and how to plan their life, because one of the greatest challenge, uh, uh, one of the greatest challenges of being a single is loneliness. And yet, as you live at peace with God's plan, and because of circumstantial reasons, and this is the path that you end up to be, that you know that loneliness is something that you have to wrestle with your whole life, and therefore you are willing to devote your life to invest in other people. be part of the community to be plucked into the community and to grow together with the rest of the community and and for the married who are here um i just want to say that work hard (laughs) on your marriage because paul clearly reminds them that when you are in a marriage relationship (laughs) there are some worldly troubles that you will face you have a much greater responsibilities than the singles. They can make decisions quick because they are responsible for themselves. But you, you are responsible for your marriage, for your family, for your children and their welfare. So before you make a decision, you have a lot more to consider. And you need to learn how to nurture your family. You need to learn how to please each other, as Paul says here. There's nothing wrong with it. This is your obligation. This is your commitment to your marriage. So do not be surprised when things get tough. Do not be be caught off guard as if, how come this happened in marriage? Well, Paul says, I told you so. There will be worldly troubles. And, And many, many of us who have been through marriage for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, we can fully understand that that yes, we go through different stages of life. Yes, sometimes it gets very tough. Yes, sometimes it's, it's just hard to reconcile our differences. And because learning how to accept each other takes a process, and I'm still learning how to do that. And Paul is saying that, you know, that's the commitment and the sacrifice you need to have in order to build a marriage that God intends originally, that the husband will love the wives, and the wives will, will respect and honor the husband together. You have to really, really work hard to grow together. But re- remember, either you are single or you are married, you are part of the church. You are part of the church. You belong to this community. Married or single, you are equal in this community. You contribute to the building of the church of Jesus Christ together, whether you are married or whether you are single. There are things that the married couple can do better. There are things that the single person can do better. And we can all contribute to the building of His church together. So with that message, I want to encourage you that as we begin to plan the regathering of the church with the vaccines around and with the downward spiral of the infections, we are... The pastors are preparing for when we can regather as a church, when we can relaunch all the ministries, not just online, not just outdoor, but everything back to normal. Uh, When would that happen? The pastors are praying and preparing together with you. You know, if we look at the future, we can see that God is giving us two worship centers. The new one is about to be completed in a few months, but two worship centers, which are multi-activity centers. We practically can use them every day for different purposes. And and God has given us a piece of land that is really a, a privilege that many churches don't have during this time to host or to hold an outdoor worship. And we are able to do that by God's grace. And in that new building, before the new building, it's another piece of land that can be utilized for this purpose. We just feel like God is calling us to serve the community. God is building our church to be a community church, not just for uh, any particular group, but for the community. And therefore, our hearts need to be expanded to welcome the community, to serve the community, to bless the community with the love of Jesus so that we can all grow together. And even as we prepare for regathering, we thank God that in the past 12 months, uh, God has allowed our church to upgrade our facility, upgrade the indoor and outdoor and online platform. So when we come back, uh, it is not just one platform indoor, but indoor, outdoor, online, concurrently. And God is expanding our influence, expanding our platform for us to serve other people, to serve the community. And I'm praying that our hearts and our minds are expanded as well so that you can see that possibility. So thank God for that. So with that, I really want to encourage you to seek the Lord together, to pray together for God to reveal His purpose and come together to build a vibrant church of disciple makers by glorifying God, whether as a single person or as a married couple. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful for your teaching and whether we are single or married, Father, I pray that you will remind us to know how to to honor you how to glorify you in our lives and learn how to appreciate each other and learn how to complement each other as we grow together. Thank you for teaching us how to live a Christian life, either as a single or a married couple. Guide our church to continue to press on by faith and not by sight, trusting God for the regathering and the relaunching of our ministry that we can bless our neighbors and bless the community.